Being on the front lines in the fight to educate the next generation is tough. The goal of this podcast is to provide you with important updates, encouragement, and connection. Welcome to the Institute Leaders Lifeline. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Institute Leaders Lifeline. My name is Mike Sinclair, and I'm Deputy Superintendent of School Support at the Charter Institute at Erskine. I promised you interviews, and this episode, you get it. Mr. Cameron Runyon, the superintendent of the Charter Institute at Erskine's, will be joining me to talk a little bit about how he got to this point on his journey and what his vision is for using education to transform a generation. But before we get to that, let me showcase two of our schools. First, Calhoun Falls Charter School. Calhoun Falls was a small school in a town, Calhoun Falls, South Carolina, that really brought the town together for their unified school. Well, at one point, their district decided it was not worth the investment of resources. They were going to consolidate schools. The town of Calhoun Falls didn't want to lose that school. So they rallied around it and it converted into a charter school. They've been on a journey since then. And if you want to know how they had that process put together and what it was like for the town to preserve their high school, contact Mr. Kalen Rogers at Calhoun Falls Charter School. Let's go down to the lower part of the state, down in Charleston, South Carolina, at Meavers School of Excellence. You know, they say imitation is one of the highest levels of flattery. Well, at Meavers, they decided to celebrate their teachers. They had dress like a teacher's day, teacher day. And if you look at their pictures on social media, the kids had a blast and they did a great job. So I know those teachers and administrators appreciated the students sharing their affection and their um, their, their bond with them by dressing like them. And I thought that was a great idea to help build the relationship between your student body and your staff. So if you want to know kind of how they set that up and some other ways that they try to build that community and that culture within their school, get in touch with Miss Brenda Coyle. She's the principal at Meavers School of Excellence. Now, today's episode, spend a little bit of time asking questions of Mr. Cameron Runyon. He's superintendent of the Charter Institute at Erskine. So enjoy this episode. Hey, glad you joined us today. I'm here with the superintendent of the Charter Institute at Erskine, a good friend of mine, Mr. Cameron Runyon. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, just what's going on in the education uh, environment and leadership and kind of how his journey has led him to this very innovative uh, place in charter school world with a private higher ed college sponsoring charter schools which is very unique in the state in the United States. So, Mr. Runyon, just a quick question. I mean, a lot of our schools know you and know kind of your story, but for people that might not, how did, how did you end up here? This is a, a unique position. Well, it's a, it's a fa- it was a fascinating journey, and it really began with a recognition of a need and then a burden to do something uh, about that need. So some years ago, my family was actually involved with helping to start a school. Uh, this was a private school in this instance down in the lower part of the state. And I had an opportunity to spend a lot of time in that school and saw the transformative impact that a really high quality, academic, and culturally appropriate education can have on an entire community. And that lit a spark and led me on a pathway over a number of years to want to open uh, charter schools in that mode that went into at-risk, high-need communities, primarily in rural South Carolina and to create educational opportunity in places where they never had it. And I grew up in one of those communities, so it was very near and dear to my heart. And I watched uh, over the years as those communities, particularly the one that I grew up in, 
you know, they weren't flourishing, they weren't growing, you know, there wasn't commerce moving in, there weren't great opportunities for families. And so a lot of the people that I grew up with, when they had opportunity, they left uh, the, that community. And so we see that all over the state of South Carolina. So that was the need. The need was to, to give a generation a chance that they weren't getting. And so I wanted to open charter schools to, to that end, and that so took two years of my life, uh, volunteered my time, and full-time worked on you know, recruiting a board and finding a facility and convincing a uh, facility to, to host us and you know, raising money and writing an application in the midst of doing all the research and everything that goes into it, identifying the specific needs that an application requires, everything that somebody's ever opened a charter school uh, had to do. And so we took that application and went to the only authorizer in the state of South Carolina at that time. And, and despite being told that we had one of the best applications that had ever come across uh, the desk over there, we were denied uh, to be able to open. Uh, so certainly disappointed when that happened. It was a very difficult day, to be honest and transparent about it. But the need didn't go away. Just because we were told no, it didn't mean that there wasn't still a need in those communities across South Carolina. So went and uh, within two and a half, three weeks was at Erskine College and addressed their board of trustees on a Thursday night. They asked me to come back on Friday morning in case anybody had any additional questions and they unanimously voted to open the Charter Institute at Erskine. So it was an amazing journey. Um, I'd say it's somewhat uh, ordained from heaven if, if it, as it was uh, for things to happen the way that they did. And so then I was asked to, to stand it up. And so that began that process of building a statewide organization, a school district with very clear you know, obligations and requirements from a legal and a statutory standpoint, a regulatory standpoint of all these things that we, we have to do. And so we had to build the team uh, in order to do that. And, and thankfully I had some good fortune and, and a background uh, in leadership and, and so had some of the skills coming in to be able to identify those needs and build the team. Uh, to meet it. But yeah, that's that's how it all got started. It was, I think, just as it was with a lot of people, it's a spark of recognition of, of what the possibilities are. And then that ties to a particular need. And then the people that change you know, the world, that change the state, that change lives, those are the people that recognize, I'm here, but I need to be here. So now let me figure out how I connect those two. And that's what charter schools became for me, as an opportunity to respond to the need of this generation. That fits a lot about what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks, that when you recognize an obstacle, you can't accept it as reality, like you've got to find another way around it. So I'd say, you know, summing up what you just described is you took a risk. Um, you, you know, your, your background wasn't education. You were taking a risk. So Talk to me a little bit about how do you face risk? I mean, as, as, a, as a leader, um, how do you handle that where you step out into the unknown to build something and know that it's an unknown? Well, the interesting thing about me is I'm actually risk averse. Uh, <laughs> I was in the investment business and so my job was to manage risk. That's what I did on a day-to-day -day basis. And so it's, you know, it's, it's a hard thing. It's, it's hard for me personally. It was difficult to take right. this leap because what people don't realize, I didn't have any income for three years while I was doing this, and I had three children at home and a wife who was a stay-at-home mother, and so I had to take care of them as well. But you know, I believe if, if you, have a, you recognize that need, you have the goal, and the goal was to, to provide that opportunity for these children in this state, that 
at some point you're going to reach that moment of testing when you've got to go beyond the barrier that's in front of you. And we had put so much effort over a couple of years to get to the point to just be denied. I said, it cannot all be for, for naught. We have to move forward because if we don't step up for these kids, who's gonna do it? There's nobody else out there that's willing to go start a new school district to serve the children uh, of this state. So it, was it a risk? Yes. Um, could it have failed? Of course. Um, but in the end, you know, as they say, the juice was worth the squeeze. You know, it was worth taking that personal risk in order to have the impact. Had When it got hard, you know, I, I had a saying during that time, and it's one that I sort of live by, it's always too soon to quit. And, and that's how I live my life. And I, I come to understand that people who are successful is their intellect and their wisdom part of that? Of course it is. But 90% of success is perseverance. That's a great lesson. 90% yeah. of success is perseverance. And in life, whether it's in your family, whether it's in your job, whether it's with whatever you encounter, there are always going to be obstacles. And you can either quit or you can persevere in those obstacles. What you see is ultimately once you overcome them, that they weren't obstacles, they were opportunities. Great. That's great. Yeah, opportunities. You know, that's that lesson of perseverance and overcoming obstacles is, is something that's becoming very common in trying to, post-pandemic, really, it's kind of re-engaging people. Um, you have kind of your mission for us and for our schools is transforming a generation this year. And, and that, that resonates with so many people. But what, what's your vision of that? Like when you hear those words, when you wrote that phrase out to use as a mission, what, what comes to your mind with transforming a generation? If you look at this country over the past 60 to 70 years from an educational standpoint, there's a trend line. Um, we are not the preeminent um, educator of children in the world anymore. We were at, at one time. And, and it's, it's gone down in every successive generation, you know, that builds upon itself. And if we're going to reach in and actually make a difference, it has to happen at scale. Scale is critical. So that's why originally when I wanted to get into education, I'd been involved uh, at some level with starting a private school and had been around it at least and had been in it. And I thought, well, that must be the way to do it. And then it, it dawned on me one day, I could build all the private schools I could ever raise enough money to build and it won't be a drop of water in the ocean at the end of the day because you've got over 700,000 kids in the state of South Carolina. So we have to create scale that allows us to create leverage so that we can actually impact not only the kids in our district, but every single student in South Carolina. And you know, I think there's a point when this district and, and what we're doing in the model schools that, that we're opening and, and the other public charter school district as well, that when we get to about 10 to 11% of the students in the state of South Carolina, that's our tipping point. That's when we're on that lever and we're now going to have, begin to have an outsized impact, not only on what's happening in our buildings, but what's happening in traditional district buildings right. all over the state. And so right. that's now how we get into, we're not just transforming these lives that are, you know, the, the 500 students in Brazier Middle College. It's not about just those 500 students anymore. It's about the hundreds of thousands 
uh, that are out there. And so that's that transform a generation. That's really what it's about. It's about reaching down into a generation of high need yeah. and creating those pathways and those leverage points that we actually transform an entire state, an entire generation of student, uh, South Carolinians. Yeah. It's really exciting to think that we're part of something that's bigger than us. I mean, you know, we're working on one scale, but we're impacting the other and kind of being that catalyst. Um, education plays such a big role in our state, whether it's economics all the way to values. And so thinking kind of part of your background and finance piece of it, how do you think having a stronger education system can grow out and even impact our economy, our businesses, kind of what conversations have you had with some of our corporate leaders that are watching what we're doing? South Carolina is an amazing place right now for commerce. We have a lot of commerce coming into certain parts of the state. There are a lot of other parts of the state where there's a great need for commerce. And so I've met with chambers of commerce, I've met with business leaders, I've met with political leaders, and almost to a T, everyone recognizes that in the areas where there is a high need for commerce in those areas, that it's going to begin with that education. Because okay. you, you've got to you've got to bring up that generation. It could be developing the workforce. It could be developing the um, workforce uh, principles and ethics of of a, of a good workforce. So you you need responsible workers, not just capable, but but responsible as well. And so all of those things work together. And when you realize that an education system, a public school or any school for that matter, spends more time with children than right. their own parents do then you realize how incredibly beneficial or not beneficial uh, that time can be. And so that time is, is, is transformative. It is critical that those kids are learning not just the knowledge of how to be a good employee, and that's great, jobs are important, but how to live well, how to be responsible. That's the cultural component. We can, there are you know, institutions that do a great job teaching knowledge, and knowledge is critical, but how you live your life, how you live in relation to one another, how you live in relation to your employer, how you take responsibility for the things that you've done and the things that you've not done, how you overcome adversity, how you live well, we've got to teach those things if we're ever going to really have flourishing in these communities. So we've got to raise up that generation now. We've got to raise up that generation that is not only intelligent, but they're also wise and they know how to live well. And that's, that's just a great summary of kind of where we are as a state is, you know, uh, a lot of our school accountability is based on test scores and those types of metrics. But what you just described is that's a part of school, but school's bigger than that. Our education is bigger than that. And it's exciting to be part of that. Um, you know, as we kind of wrap up here, We've got a lot of school leaders. We've got um, other community members. We've got a lot of people that listen to the podcast and interact with us. What are some thoughts that you would like to share to, to energize them, to know that the work they do is worth it? You know, something I said a minute ago, I think maybe they don't think about on a daily basis. These schools, the culture that's in those schools, the teachers that are in those schools, the other children that are in those schools, they're going to spend as much or more time with those kids than their own families are. Think of the awesome power, but more importantly, the responsibility that comes with that. A, a child that has gone through you know, 
12, 13 years of, of education. It's a beautiful thing of charter schools is that you know they'll come in in kindergarten and they'll graduate uh, as seniors a lot of times. And so that impact over you know, 13, 10, 7, 4, whatever it is, years is going to live out far, far beyond that time that they spend in those buildings. So I know it is easy for all of us to get distracted by, you know, I've got this deadline and this, you know, Erskine's put this requirement on me or State Department's put this requirement on me or the federal government's put this requirement on me and I've got a parent that's upset about this and, you know, whatever the thing is. But at the end of the day, it's got to be about those kids. And in a community, whether you're in a place like Clinton, whether you're in a, play, a big city like Greenville or anywhere uh, in between, the children, the students, the young adults, the South Carolinians that are coming out of those schools are going to have uh, generate two, you know, probably two generations of, of impact uh, on those communities. So um, our, our schools are the, are the biggest engines of, of cultural production uh, in their communities. And I think it's so easy to lose sight of how much impact we have on those, not on just the individuals, but on the broader communities as well. So it is, um, it is incredible work. Um, I'm so thankful for all of them that do it. My, my exhortation would be never lose sight of why we do this why we do this. The why has always got to be the first thing. The why we do this. If we make that why the number one, that it's about this generation. It's about creating you know, transformational opportunity in the lives of individuals to the benefit of the collective whole. It starts with the individual and then it accrues to the benefit of the collective whole. We never lose sight of that. The, the impacts that, that we will have in a positive way uh, will far outlive all of us. That's exciting. That's exciting. Yeah. You know, our short term investment in our kids has generational impacts and um, getting back to basics and just all those things that, that, that we um, at the Institute have as part of our core mission in there. So thanks for joining me today. Um, is there any last things that you would like to share um, as we end this podcast? No, I, I think this is this has been great and you know enjoyed sharing a little bit of my personal journey. Uh, I think it's a it's a illustration uh, really of these very principles that we were talking about of, of, of how you, and I'm certainly not perfect, made a lot of mistakes. We all make mistakes right. and uh, you, know, you can't dwell on those things. You just got to learn from them and, and you get better. And you know, that, that happens every day. If you don't believe me, just ask my wife, but she can tell you <laughs> it's uh, certainly not perfect. Um, but let's, we overcome those, those adversities because at the end of the day, it really is about these, these kids right? You know, for the benefit of South Carolina. But uh, just so glad to be part of this. So glad that I took that chance that when I was told no, I could have quit. Right. But I'm so thankful now looking back on my younger self that I didn't quit. Right. That I didn't quit. And right. I said, no, this is too important uh, to quit. And so when it's hard in our classrooms, when we have a hard day, when it feels like our hair is on fire at the school, it's always too soon to quit. Persevere. You will get through it. There is a better day, and, and you're part of it because you're, you're the leaders. Right. Well, thanks for joining us for this episode, Mr. Runyon. Thank you for being with us today. I think what we heard was persevere, focus on the basics, and just thinking about the impact. It's a generational thing. We have a finite amount of time with our kids, but our impact has unlimited opportunities to change our culture to transform a generation. Thanks for joining us on this collective journey of leadership. Have a great week. Take care of your team. Be sure to follow the Institute on all of our social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. At Erskine Charters, we'll have all of these resources, including this podcast, many stories of our schools, and other things. 
So check us out. The opinions expressed within the content are solely the authors and do not reflect the opinions and beliefs of the Charter Institute at Erskine or its affiliates.